mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. man is putting into my running and I'm so far from my home. Hey Pittsburgh, welcome to Steel City Hockey, a podcast covering everything Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Well, as I said last week, we have two planned guests for the show. This Wednesday, we have Sammy Silber and Dan Rice, both writers at thehockeywriters.com. We're going to break down the Washington Capitals and the New Jersey Devils off-seasons, but also talk about the Metropolitan Division as a whole. Uh, the best division in hockey last season, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinions. And I think they're having the best offseason as well. Uh, the teams are absolutely stacked. So I thought it was important to bring in a couple guests to, to talk about uh, how the division is doing and, and what direction it's going in, in terms of what teams could potentially make the playoffs next season. So uh, one thing I want to address before we get to our guests, though, there was a story I've been debating whether even to say who it's by, but because uh, I, I just think it's quite honestly clickbait. But uh, there was a story by Ron Cook in the Pittsburgh Post Gazette about how the Penguins might trade Phil Kessel or should trade Phil Kessel, and this story all came about after Rick Tockett took the head coaching job with the Arizona Coyotes. So for some reason. A few columnists in Pittsburgh have tried to make the connection that, well, Rick Tockett is gone, so now Phil Kessel should go, or Phil Kessel isn't going to fit with this team, with this locker room, whatever. I'm not going to have time to fully address this because all our time is allotted to our guests today. That was planned ahead of time. Um, But I did want to address it and just say, what a load of hogwash by Ron Cook. I'm sorry. I don't like to rip apart fellow media members especially guys that have been around for a long time and and people that really should be given a lot of respect for what they've done in the business. But Ron Cook is way off base with this this claim. Uh, Unless he has some insider information by being in the locker room and being around the team that I don't have, not being in the locker room or or firsthand knowledge, uh, being around the team, then I I truly believe he's, he's just trying to stir the pot and has made up a lot of the accusations that he put into this column um, about how Phil Kessel should be traded. And I will address this if it's still big news next week and we don't have anything better to discuss, which probably both will be true because uh, it's the off season, it's July in hockey. So we probably will have time to address this all fully next week. But I wanted to get this out here. First, the news that Rick Tockett is going to leave and become head coach of the Arizona Coyotes. The Penguins have already filled that position with Mark Recchi. Already in the Penguins organization, he will now be an assistant coach for the Penguins behind the bench with Mike Sullivan. And the chatter now that Phil Kessel might not fit with this team. I think it's, again, a load of hogwash. But there are some media members out there trying to run Phil Kessel out of town Basically the same way that the Toronto media did, and you're not going to find any of that here from this from this media member, uh, big Phil Kessel fan. If he wasn't a Penguin, Pittsburgh would not be back-to-back champs. They don't win either championship without Phil Kessel. When we'll talk more about that next week. We're now going to welcome on our first guest this week. She's been on before. She's actually our first uh, return guest here on Steel City Hockey. Washington Capitals beat writer at thehockeywriters.com, Sammy Silber. 
Sammy, thanks for coming on the show again. Oh, thank you for having me. So we wanted to talk about the Washington t- Capitals again today. They've been really busy the last month with all the changes that are happening in the nation's capital with their hockey team. It's kind of expected, but uh, of everything that has happened, what has shocked you the most with the Capitals this summer? Yeah, no, a lot's going on. Um, I mean, I mean, I was kind of expecting it, but I was shocked to see them, you know, ship out Marcus Johansson. I think that that was probably, I mean, the biggest move, you know, from their end. But you know, losing losing a player like him, who's just a consistent, you know, top six forward for you know a couple draft picks. I understand they were trying to save cap space. You know, they're in a crunch right now. They need to, you know, find funds, but. I just, I don't think it was the right move to make. I think that they lost, you know, they've lost a lot this offseason, you know, over the course of a couple months, actually. And I think that, you know, just losing him and then, you know, letting their other pieces go, that was, that was the most shocking to me. And, you know, they have a lot of young guys who are promising and, you know, ready to make an impact on the NHL roster. But, you know, replacing, uh, replacing him is just going to be a challenge. Yeah, let's talk more about that trade. Uh, the, the, the Capitals' biggest rival, the Penguins, they had to give up a first-round pick to get tough guy Ryan Reeves, and the Capitals only got a second- and third-round pick back for Johansson, and maybe that's partially because of the timing of the trade. Did you agree or disagree with the, the, the timing of that move? A lot of people have, have uh, criticized the Capitals for trading Johansson when they did because they protected him in the expansion draft and, and, and then traded him a few weeks later. Yeah, I mean, the timing is definitely, you know, the whole thing is, you know, kind of mind-boggling. Because you, you think about you think about Brian McCollin and the position that he's in, and, you know, the Caps need space, you know, unfortunately out of, you know, they have a lot in their arsenal, but... You know, out of all the pieces they have, uh, Johans is making the money that um, he, he's making the money that you know they they need to put in other areas. So I agree with the move slightly. I think that the return could have been bigger. I definitely, you know, don't understand the return for a second and third rounder. I don't understand the energy saved protecting him in the expansion draft when. You know, we lost a good guy to the Golden Knights already. So, you know, there's definitely a lot confusing about it, but you just got to trust the process, I guess. But <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, a tough pill to swallow to lose Johansson after protecting him. And, and perhaps if they don't protect him or trade him before the expansion draft, then you can keep Nate Schmidt, which would help offset the loss of of Carl Alsner, but uh, well, we've talked a lot about the Johansson trade. Is he also the biggest loss of this team? or And if not him, who is the biggest loss in free agency for Washington? You know, he's a big loss, but he's not the biggest. I have to say that Nate Schmidt is the biggest loss. And the reason I'm going to say that is because, you know, you look at Washington's defense, and right now it is lacking. They have lost a lot of defensemen, you know, over the span of a couple of weeks. You know, you have Olsner gone, you have Shattenkirk going to New York, and and then, you know, you lose uh, Schmidt to Vegas. And uh, But Schmidt, I mean, the thing about him is that he was such a, he's such a promising defenseman. He's a top-four guy. He knows his role. He has puck-moving potential. You know, and he was really going to develop into, you know, a, I think a top-pairing guy, and I still think he's on that path. But, 
unfortunately he won't develop into that for the Washington organization. Right. You know, and going into next year, I mean, they have, uh, trust me, I mean, they have a ton of guys who can come up, you know, Juice is ready, uh, Mass and uh, Bowie's ready. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, <laughs> and then, and then, you know, you see, you see other guys like, uh, you know, uh, Lucas Johansson and, uh, Connor Hobbs, but you know they're they're still up and coming. You know they're not going to turn into top four defensemen overnight. Mm-hmm. You know that's the path that Washington's taking, and you know it's good to you know give the younger guys confidence and get on the NHL roster. But you know losing Schmidt, you're losing an experienced NHL defenseman, and you don't have any other ones to replace him or the other pieces you've lost. Uh, you know with so right. I definitely think Schmidt is the biggest loss. They still have Brooks Orpik though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what did you think uh, of of that decision to to keep him? I guess in McClellan's eyes, it really wasn't a decision. He all all the way along uh, didn't even. It, it sounds like he didn't even consider buying out Orpic. But a lot of uh, articles have been written about in the last few weeks that that should have been an option for this team. Do you think it, it, they should have considered buying out Orpic? You know, it's tough to say. I mean, Orpic, I mean, he's had an unbelievable career. You know, he's a he's a great quality stay-at-home defenseman. He knows his role on the ice. Um, I, I'm personally, I believe he still has a few years left in the tank, but, you know, he's he's 36, you know, so he's, you, you don't know how much is left, you know what I mean? But right. he did have the worst season. He really did. I mean, he didn't score any goals, but that's, I mean, that's not expected. From right. a guy like uh, Brooks Orpik, you know, he had a lot of hits. He was physical. He blocked shots. He, you know, he was, I thought he was pretty solid. It wasn't, actually, it wasn't his worst year. He's had worse years in the past. So I actually think he showed a little bit of upside. And though though I'm like, I'm very skeptical on him because he's very, he's he's been inconsistent. I mean, there's no way of, you know, getting around that. Right. But I think that, you know, he's a veteran. He can help the younger guys coming in and. You know, for McClellan not to buy him out, I mean, you know, you look at the numbers and you think that that could have happened instead of losing a guy like uh, Marcus Johansson. But I, I personally, I mean, I don't mind it. He, you know, at least you have a veteran on the roster. You have a guy who knows where he belongs on the bottom, you know, on the bottom pairing. And, you know, maybe he can step up into that top four role. He's, you know, he steps up to the plate when you need him to. And, you know, you just got to... Like I said, trust the process. You just got to, you know, kind of hope that a guy like him can, you know, keep it going and take his years of experience and, you know, spread that to the blue line. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. It, it the, the thing that hurts, though, is his cap hit. He costs a lot yeah. of money to be an aging 36 to, 36-year-old defenseman that really only supplies a veteran presence and – a guy that teaches the young the the younger guys to be professionals. It's a lot to pay for somebody like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, you you think of how much he's making now, and you know, over five million dollars. You know, there's a lot of defensemen out there who are making the same money, but doing so much more. So, you know, you you really you really just have to think about that, and you know, hopefully it works out. But I think that. You know, money is a problem in Washington, and overpaying their players. Mm-hmm. It's a problem. I mean, you see it. You see it all the way. You know, down the roster. So, hopefully, it works out. I, I do think that they need to. I mean, you know, the clock is ticking for them. 
Yeah, yeah, I would agree. The window, the championship window opportunity is closing. Uh, you mentioned them overpaying guys. Did you think they overpaid for, for uh, Kuznetsov or, or TJ Oshie? It's hard to say. I mean, Oshie's contract, I mean, the cap hit on Oshie's contract isn't the worst. It really isn't. Um, the term is probably, you know, the most concerning thing there. You know, because you look at, you look at how, you know, how much older he's going to be and, you know, how much longer he's going to be on the roster. But, you know, for Oshie, at least, I mean, I think they could have done a lesser term. I'm not sure about the cat pit, you know, um, Kuznetsov. No, I don't think that they overpaid him. I definitely think he shows promise. And, you know, for a guy who's still up and coming like him, um, and, you know, showing so much skill and so much potential to be a top, you know, a top line center and, you know, probably amongst the best players in the NHL, you know, that's a reasonable salary for me, but, you know, he, you, you look at other areas, you know, not necessarily the players that they just resigned and you just look at the, you know, how much they're making and, you know, you freak out a little bit, especially <laughs> because <laughs> they're limited for space. Like you said, that championship window's closing, you know, they, I mean, they might need some new pieces along the way. They lost a lot of older pieces and, you know, it's got to be addressed and, you know, they can't afford, they cannot afford right now to, you know, go with anything else. So this, like, this is the time. We're talking with the hockey writers.com, uh, Washington Capitals beat writer, Sammy Silber. A couple questions left for you, Sammy. Uh, after all of the dust has settled from free agency, I'm sure there's a couple other minor moves to be made by uh, all teams, really. But uh, is is Washington any closer right now to advancing past the second round, beating the Penguins, and, and possibly winning a Stanley Cup than they were three or four months ago? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> You know, how, how time flies, you know, because you look back, I think it was, you know, toward the end of February when they acquired a Kevin Shattenkirk. And, you know, I definitely thought that was the missing piece. I thought they needed, you know, a right-handed puck-moving defenseman. I thought I thought that was going to be it, you know, but then you see them fall into the same challenges that they do year after year. And, you know, I think that they were a built Stanley Cup roster. I really thought that this was the team that would get past, and it wasn't. And you look at, you know, we're, we're, you know, a couple of weeks into free agency now and, you know, not much has been done except losing a lot. And, you know, those younger guys are going to come in and don't get me wrong, they're going to, they're going to do, you know, fine. But, you know, you see the pieces that they have and the pieces that they get to work with and it's going to be a younger team. It's going to be a newer team and it's going to be harder to match up with teams like Pittsburgh who, you know, haven't really lost much. You know, maybe a couple of key players, maybe a couple of bottom, you know, bottom six uh, centers in Bonino. And, you know, they lost Kunitz and they, you know, Matt Cullen looks like he's hanging up the skates. But, you know, you you look around and you see, you know, all these other teams aren't. No other team has really lost as much as Washington has this offseason. And with the young guys, I mean, it'll be a good team, but I don't think it's a it's a team that will get past the second round unless you believe in a good underdog story. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It, it does seem like Washington will be more of the underdog next year, as opposed to the president's trophy winners. And maybe that's a good thing for them because they don't seem to do well when they're favored. Yeah, no, they don't. I mean, they've definitely surprised me in the past. So 
I wouldn't be shocked if they did well, but I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, it was the same thing over again or, you know, worse. Well, Sammy, we're just about out of time, but I did want to ask you, who do you think is the most improved team in the Metropolitan Division? You have the Capitals and Penguins who have lost players, but it seems like everybody else has gotten better. This division is just stacked with young talent, and uh, I think if we didn't have divisions, we might have five or six teams from the Metro in the playoffs next year. It's oh, just yeah. incredible. But, but who do you think did the most to improve their roster in the first few weeks of the offseason in the Metro Division? Yeah, I mean, a lot of those Metro Division teams look much better than they did last year. You know, a lot of them have taken steps to improve. Um, I was split. I'm split, honestly, between New York and Carolina. Um, you know, the Rangers and the Hurricanes. But I'm going to go with the Hurricanes. I think, you know, they they were not effective last year in the least. You know, I hate to say that. But, you know, they, they've brought in a lot of new pieces. You know, they have Justin Williams now who will definitely, you know, provide offense. They still need they still need to find a top line center. But um you know, I'm certain that they'll they'll find that, you know, either within their organization or, you know, by the end of free agency and um but the best my favorite move was um Scott Darling in that. You know, I think that he's a great goaltender and I think that the tandem of Cam Warren, uh, Cam Ward and Eddie Locke uh, didn't work out the way they wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, and I think getting uh, Darling to come in and yeah, he's not really a proven, you know, number one guy, but he, I mean, he'll, he'll get the job done in net and he's going to make a difference right away. And, you know, when you have that kind of change in net, it kind of ignites it, you know, it can ignite a change throughout a whole team. And with the pieces that they've added through, you know, trades, they have Kruger, they have Van Reemsdijk, they have Williams, they have Joris. You know, I, I think they're moving in the right direction. I wouldn't I wouldn't sleep on them. You know, I would I would expect good things to come out of Carolina this season. Yeah, I absolutely agree. If they weren't in such a stacked division, I would say they're a playoff team. But they still might be, even with the improvements that they've made. Uh, Sammy, yeah. thanks so much for coming on the show, listeners. You can follow Sammy on Twitter at Sammy Silber. That's S A M M I S I L B E R. Follow her stuff at thehockeywriters.com where she covers the Washington Capitals. And you also cover the Edmonton Oilers at oileronwhite.com. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, check out Sammy's work at oileronwhite.com and thehockeywriters.com. Again, Sammy, thanks for coming on. No, thank you so much for having me. Welcome back to Steel City Hockey, a podcast covering everything Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We're now going to welcome on our second guest this week to talk more Metropolitan Division free agency. He's Dan Rice, New Jersey Devils beat writer at thehockeywriters.com. Dan, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on. Well, there's a lot of exciting things happening with the Devils right now. Uh, First and foremost, it was winning the draft lottery and then drafting... uh, having the right to, to pick first overall. What was the reaction to that and, and, and then making the selection at number one? Well, was, like you said, it's very exciting. Uh, the, the fans have had a, a couple of tough seasons, uh, longer stretch in a while where they haven't made the playoffs, uh, reaching five years now. Um, and, and they were expecting to be picking fifth or sixth or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, that, that changes everything. It changes uh, a little bit of perception. Uh, you're getting a player that 
uh, is going to be recognized nationally, at least for the first couple of years, as long as he lives up to that kind of billing. And, and it's, a, it's a player that you could market to. And uh, the Devils, have, they, they kind of lack that a little bit uh, until last year when they got Taylor Hall, who's kind of a big name. But, um, you know, guys like Brodeur and Eliash and uh, Parise and Kovalchuk, uh, guys like that, they're all gone now. So the the team is, is definitely uh, going in a new direction with uh, some people that I'm sure you're familiar with, with uh, Coach Hines and, and Ray Shero as GM. And, uh, right. Yeah, so it's, it's it, it was it was an exciting time. And then, uh, you know, they, they picked the, the best player that they felt was uh, the one that fit what they were trying to do uh, the most. Yeah, let's talk about that decision a little bit because Nolan Patrick was number one for a long time, right? Uh, why uh, did they go with this kid, the the um, the the the, uh, the Switzerland native over uh, Nolan Patrick? Yeah, and, uh, you're right. Patrick was was rated first overall pretty much throughout the season, and and, and that was despite of. Uh, his injuries and, and, and all the hardships that he went through uh, medically this season. And um, I thought he was the guy that the Devils were going to take, but uh, it came down to it was very close, according to, to uh, the GM. And, and uh, the, the final decision was they just thought that he was a better fit for their program, for what they're trying to do. Uh, they felt he had a better all-around game than Nolan Patrick. Uh, they felt maybe he had a little bit of a higher ceiling. Um, and, and, uh, you know, uh, he told us tonight, uh, after round one, um, at, at the draft in Chicago, he said he, he met with Nico over in Switzerland and, and they had a, uh, a good five to six hour, uh, uh, dinner, I guess, and, and coffee and, and whatever else they did together. And, uh, just really spent time one-on-one where he can get to know Nico because, uh, at these draft combine interviews, you really only get to know the player, uh, you know, talk to him for about 20 minutes. And, and honestly, and, and he admitted this also, that they really didn't scout uh, either one of those two players because they didn't expect to be picking first or second overall. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that, you, know you, you scout them or you, or you see them play when you're scouting other players maybe that are in that game. And, and, and they actually drafted a defenseman, um, I think, in the seventh round that was a teammate of Nico's with Halifax. So they did see him play a little bit. But, you know, you're not really looking at him the same way that you would if – you had your eyes set on a top two or three, four player, you know? Right, absolutely. And that is pretty funny. Not funny, but interesting that they didn't expect to be picking number one and then didn't scout them. I did not I did not hear that. Um, yeah, and, and uh, Shero even added, he said uh, he spoke to Nico's agent at, at uh, one of the earlier tournaments, uh, maybe it was the World Juniors, and uh, his agent was, was asking Shero, you know, what do you think of my client? He says, well, he's a great player, but, he, you know, there's probably no way he's ever going to be on our team. And then, you know, three or four months later, he's, he's talking to his agent again, and, and they're trying to set up an entry-level contract now. So uh, it's funny how that all worked out. Yes, it is. It is. And it's a little bit, probably not funny for Washington Capitals fans, but uh, also intriguing how the Marcus Johansson deal went down. We just, I just finished talking to our, uh, the the hockeywriters.com's Capitals beat writer, Sammy Silver, and she was not all too happy with losing Johansson. 
Um, what does he bring to New Jersey? What What is he going to add to this Devils lineup? Oh, he's a he's a top six player, and and that's what they've been really looking for uh, since the the new regime took over. They've been trying to add some more top end talent, and, and Johansson's proven that it, on a pretty talented and deep team in Washington that he can put up points. I think he put up sixty points last year, or fifty six points, or fifty eight, whatever it was. It was more than anybody on the Devils. Uh, so he he immediately adds a, a top six player. Uh, guy that can play in all situations and a guy that can play as he admitted in the conference call this week he can play left wing center or right wing whatever the team needs him to, to play the most is is where he'll be uh be slotted in i'm sure and uh to be able to get him for for two draft picks that uh they're, they're not even they weren't even devil's draft picks uh, one was a uh, uh, second rounder from Florida that they they acquired for taking on uh, Mark Savard's contract, and uh, the third rounder was I believe was from Toronto for them signing Blue Lamarillo as their GM. So the Devils <laughs> still have all seven of their picks next year in the draft, and and they traded away the the two excess ones that they had for you know a, a player that can come in and help right now. Draft picks are you know. They are whatever they become. They could become nothing. They could become a great player. They could become a, a career AHLer. Um, you know, every draft is different. Every player draft is different. And you know, we see tons of stories like players like Tyler Johnson, guys like that that go undrafted and, and they go on to have great careers. So uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting that that they were able to get him for for those two picks. And, and I'm surprised that other teams weren't in on this, but. Uh, uh, Washington's loss is definitely New Jersey's gain, and and you know the, the Capitals are feeling the effects of, of going really go, really going for it the last three years and and coming up empty and uh, having to now trade away other guys because you have to sign other players at, at other positions uh, to more lucrative contracts. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that was sheer robbery, quite honestly. The Johansson trade for the Devils it was an absolute great move by them. Uh, you mentioned New Jersey not being in the playoffs now five years in a row. With these moves, how close are they to getting back to the playoffs? Well, the, the, the main thing I think going into next year is, is the issue is going to be the defense. Uh, um, around here, it was no secret that they were trying to acquire a defenseman, be it around the expansion draft or in some of the trades leading up to the draft or even after draft. Uh, free agency. They were they were supposedly in on Shattenkirk. Um, that didn't work out. Then they thought maybe they could trade uh, the rights to Ilya Kovalchuk to get a defenseman, and that hasn't worked out um, with his decision to stay in Russia now. Uh, allegedly, uh, he seems to flip flop a lot, so we're not really sure. But that that ship I think has sailed. So uh, they're going to need some help defensively at some point here. Um, they're going to need some some younger players to step up, and um, the goaltending is, is going to be, you know, the, the biggest determining factor. Uh, the Metro is a tough division. Uh, there's, there's a lot of really good teams, and, and uh, I think Corey Schneider is is perceived to be among the the top goalies in the league, but. Uh, the last couple of seasons, he's he's been pretty good, but he hasn't been great or stellar. And uh, the Devils haven't made the playoffs, and and that's you know they need to score goals. That's always been a a, a problem for them. And uh, Taylor Hall being here for a second year and and maybe being a little more comfortable should help him 
produce a little bit more. Uh, the additions of Johansson, the additions of a, a kid like Nico, um, some other players that they have, uh, first-round picks, uh, they're looking for impact this year. Um, so we'll see. Uh, you know, all it takes is a little bit of a hot streak. And like we saw with Columbus last year, they, they win 15 games or whatever in, in December, and then they put themselves in a good position. Yeah, um, that that that's really what it, it's all about, and and you know who's going to get hurt this year, and and you know every season there's uh, impact players that get hurt, and teams suffer because of that, and, and that's maybe where an opportunity for a team like the Devils can step up, and uh, if they play well enough, and and steal a, a wild card spot or a, or a lower division spot. So we'll see. Um, I, I would say they have to somewhat be in contention in the middle of the season for them to really go for it, maybe add a defenseman uh, uh, during the season. Um, but I, I think if, they, if they're if they still languishing like they were the, the last two seasons, when we get towards the trade deadline, I, I think maybe a coaching change would be uh, on the horizon. But we'll see. There's a long time to go before all that. And, uh, you know, we'll see how the team breaks out of training camp. And, and you know, sometimes deals happen right before the, uh, the season starts, too. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, there's definitely a little excitement around here, especially with, with Nico uh, here being uh, selected first overall. Well, you mentioned the Metropolitan Division being just a very a great division. It has to be considered the best division in, in the league, and it was even before this year, this summer, and it got better, it seems like, across the board, maybe except with Washington. Pittsburgh probably stays about the same, maybe takes a little step back. Um, before we, we let you go, I just wanted to ask you, in general, who do you think is the most improved team in, in the division, in the Metropolitan? Oh, geez. Uh... Uh, I I would guess uh, you know I don't know I, I always like um, what Pittsburgh has done with their team with bringing in young kids and um, so that that'll be for me it'll be interesting to see which which teams young players can can really step up and, and you know Philly drafted really high too they picked second uh, they also kind of won the lottery because they weren't supposed to be picking that high um, Carolina got a, a couple of really Nice new additions. Uh, uh, I, they, I wonder about their goaltending, though. Is is, is that going to be their their Achilles heel in the division? Uh, the Rangers added a couple of pieces, but they traded a couple of pieces, so they're they're kind of rebuilding on the fly. Uh, the Islanders, I thought, you know, they they've lost a couple of pieces too, but they added an Everly to. to try and keep Tavares uh, there and, and Washington lost a couple of pieces maybe they take a step back uh, and Columbus got Panarin I mean that, that's, that's you know we're going through all the teams everybody's pretty stacked right now so it's, <laughs> it's, it's like a gauntlet you know and, yeah. and uh, it's, but you know not every season is going to be like last season where you have six teams or, or whatever it was four teams with 100 points like that's not going to happen every season it's, but when it does happen like that it, it makes it that much more tougher for the, the bottom teams you know maybe it skews their view on on how, how the, the difference of, of uh, between the teams you know mm-hmm. uh, the, the level of, of the, the teams you know the Devils can play with certain teams uh, and they did last season but 
for long stretches, they just couldn't put wins together. And, and the, the, a common refrain, which we, I'm sure it got old for the players, it got old for us reporters hearing them say, you know, we have to find ways to win games. And, and when they lose 10 games in a row, when you win with 10 games in a row, it's uh, it, it's tough and you find yourself in a rut. And, um, and like we talked about just a few seconds ago, a few minutes ago with Columbus, you go on a streak the other way and, and it changes everything. It changes perception. And, you know, now Columbus more is expected of them this year. Can they, can they live up to that? Or will they miss the playoffs? Like the, the last time they made the playoffs. So, mm. um, it, it'll be a, a very, very interesting division. And, and, uh, uh, I'm, I'm excited already for October, but we have a couple of months to go before that. That is true, <laughs> and uh, we'll continue to cover all of the off-season uh, news up until October at thehockeywriters.com. Check out Dan's stuff on the New Jersey Devils at thehockeywriters.com. Also follow him on Twitter at drdiablo. That's D-R-D-I-A-B-L-O-T-H-W, D-R-Diablo-T-H-W. Uh, and also wanted to mention Dan's work with uh, – He's a feature writer for uh, the National Women's Hockey League as well. So if you are a women's hockey fan, check out Dan's uh, work there at his at his Twitter handle. So, Dan, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, thanks a bunch. And uh, uh, anytime you want me to come on, that's fine. And uh, for the your fans that are in Pittsburgh, uh, we were there last year with the National Women's Hockey League. We had the All-Star game there, and it was a, a really, really fun time and a great success over at the Penguins practice facility. Mm. And uh, next season, we're going to be playing a, a regular season game there. The, the teams and the date hasn't been announced. I think the date was announced, which is not the teams. But some somewhere early in January, there'll be a, a, a regular season NWHL game there. And, and I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully making the trip back out there. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed your time there. It's one of my favorite American cities. It's not New York or Boston, but it is a fun place to, to visit. Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot, Dan. Yep, no problem. Thanks for having me on. We're out of time here on this week's Steel City Hockey. Again, thanks to Sammy and Dan for coming on the show. Great conversations. Thanks for listening, everybody. Follow thehockeywriters.com. Check out the site for all your latest off-season news. I wrote a top four Pittsburgh Penguins prospect article this week. Also have top five moments from Chris Kunitz's Penguins career. i enjoyed writing those pieces a lot so check them out on thehockeywriters.com there's a lot of prospect pieces right now out on the website ranking the top four prospects for all the organizations so if you're interested in prospects young players go check out those articles Uh, and we will be back next wednesday with another episode of steel city hockey enjoy your week everybody